ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. I'm your host, Janice Porter, and in this strange time that we're in still, I am very excited to actually have on my podcast this afternoon, David Neuer. Uh, did I say your name right, David? I Good never checked with you. David Neuer, thank you. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, it's good to be with you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I want to tell my audience a little bit about you, David. And David comes to us today from Atlanta, Georgia. And um, he is an internationally recognized uh, leading expert on applications of strategic relationships in profitable growth, sustained in innovation, and lasting change. And for me, when I saw relationships, strategic relationships, that was all I needed to see. I was excited. David is the author of 10 books, including bestsellers, Relationship Economics and Co-Create, and the newest one, Curve Benders, which I think just came out in April as this year. That's correct. And um, there are a lot of things I am in awe of about David's um, bio here. He's also, he's an adjunct professor at the, uh, I'm not going to try and say it, but the business school in Emory University and was named to the Global Gurus Top 30 Leadership Professionals and the Thinkers 50 Radar Class of 2021. He's a Forbes Leadership Contributor and Inc. Magazine and on and on it goes. He also has his own podcast, the Curve Benders podcast. He's been um, featured in uh, many publications from the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Huffington Post, and so on. And so I was like in awe of everything that you've done. And I'm like, you're going to be on my podcast. I'm honored. Thank you so much for being very, here. Very kind of you to say. I'm, I'm delighted to be with you. So I wanted to take it right back, first of all, because even with and, and because of all these accolades and all of these things that you have done, um, I know that it, at the end of your bio, it talks about how you have you came from Iran when you were 15 to the United States with 100 bucks, limited family ties and no English fluent English and went on to, you know, do lots of amazing things got a, a university degree, got an MBA, and now you teach at one of those universities. So I want to ask you, I'm going to like dive right into curve benders because I want to know, um, first of all, please explain to my audience what that term means. And then secondly, was it because of a curve bender at the beginning of your time in the United States that started you on this journey? Two great questions. So for your audience, curve benders are some of your more strategic, most valuable relationships that Janice, beyond short-term performance, execution, or results, they leave an indelible imprint on shaping you as a manager, as a leader, as a human being. And a couple of really good examples that I think will resonate with your audience is think of that early university professor 
that not only lit a fire in you about the subject, but got you excited about learning and really uh, guided your academic journey or that early manager that took you under his or her wings and taught you not just a product or a service or market, but how to be an empathetic leader, how to be a compassionate leader, how to, what I call, listen louder. Like all of those, and I cringe when people call them soft skills, but all those soft skills that we both know are not very soft and they're not that easy. People that see the best version of us, even when we don't see it ourselves, and guide us to reach those perceived limitations and get beyond them are the people that I call curve benders in our lives. And you're astute in your observation, absolutely. Uh, I came and lived, mom and dad are retired college professors in Persian literature, Persian history. Mm-hmm. They live back in, they still live back in Iran. Mm-hmm. In order for me to come here, they sent me to live with an aunt and uncle that I hadn't seen since birth. And make a very long story short, in order for me to stay in the US, they gave me up for adoption. Aunt and uncle had to adopt me. And that's how I was able to stay in the U.S. and get my green card and citizenship. And so my uncle to this day, he's now well in his 70s, he's absolutely a curve bender because without him and Jan, I wouldn't have had the life that I've led here. And there's several examples of not just family, but great bosses, great mentors. I I started as an electrical engineering undergrad, and then I went to computer science. And I took one business class by a professor who's... Uh, sadly, has passed away from cancer since then, but he l- lit a fire in me about complexity of business, and that's what I wanted to wanted to really pursue. Uh, the admissions dean at Emory University, in our interview, said we want students that we're going to become proud of as alumni, and that became a guiding light for me to build a career and a life that my grad school would be proud to call me an alumni, right? So those are the, again, moments, those touchstone moments in our lives that really make a difference. Well, I I do have to acknowledge your parents in the sense that they had that foresight to, I mean, I know things were terrible in that country, in your home country um, back in the day, and everyone was either leaving or trying to get their kids out. and, And to be able to do that took a lot. And, and, and absolutely. And, and now that, you know, you're a parent, I'm a parent. Now that, that we have kids of our own, I can't imagine. It's like telling our kids, here's a hundred bucks, a suitcase. I'm going to ship you to China. You don't know anybody. You don't speak Mandarin or Cantonese. And you know what? You're going to have to make a life there. And I distinctly remember, you know, my parents literally telling me there's no coming back. So as, as difficult as that life may be for you, because I, you don't speak the language. You don't know anybody. You can't. You don't look like any of the other kids at your school. By the way, it's the middle of the Iran hostage crisis. So yeah. they go at home and they see all these terrible news stories, and they come to school, and you're the only Iranian kid they know, right? So it was a it was a tough few years. But as parents, what an incredibly unselfish thing to do to give your child a chance to live a better life. And I'm and I'm, and I'm, I'm forever grateful. I know it's a side gig, a side turn in a sense, but you know, when you just made that example, um, I live on the West coast of um, British Columbia, Canada and Vancouver and Vancouver is known for a lot of Asians having come to, uh, uh, to basically buy up our houses and things like that, but they've sent their kids here to school. They've sent their kids 
with no parents, no uh, relatives. They put them up in these houses that they bought and these kids go wild. That to me was like not the right way to do it. But it, it happens a lot in different cultures that we're not used. We molly coddle our kids too much anyway, but that's another story. Okay, so... Um, so the other thing, when we spoke before, the first time we spoke and, and you were explaining Kirk Benders to me, uh, my husband kept coming to mind. And so he, as I think I told you, was a basketball coach and a high school teacher. And I saw how he influenced some of his, those kids' lives. He was a senior, he taught seniors and uh, also coached the senior um, basketball team, boys and girls. And those kids to this day who are now 40, you know, whatever, they stop him in the street, Mr. Porter, Mr. Porter, you know, like, um, I remember this, or I wouldn't be an accountant if it wasn't for you teaching accounting. That's a curve bender, right? Unequivocally, yes. And if yes. you think about that, that coach, or that mentor, or that early boss, they do more than just teach us their subject, right. or that he did more than just coach them about basketball. That's right. He gave them life lessons. Yeah. And, and again, that's why 10, 20, 30, 40 years later, not only do we remember those people, yeah. but we're, we're forever grateful for We've been to more weddings. <laughs> yeah, really. Right? They, they shape us, they shape yeah. the manager, the leader, as I said. Particularly, my focus is really our, our business environment, but it has a, has a, has a ripple effect in, in all parts of our lives because it shapes the parent that we become. It shapes the partner that we become. And, and it shapes a lot of our values early on about work ethics and the things that we believe in that, by the way, becomes generational because we tend to pass those on to our kids. And so, so that's why I distinctly wanted to reference them as more than just a great boss or a great mentor or a great coach. These are people that have a lasting and really a profound impact on us for most of our lives. So do you think there's, there's a um, correlation between, because something else I was, when I was reading some of your, your uh, work, I was talk I was thinking, okay, so curve benders are, are influencers in people's lives and they're influencers in how we um, relate to other people. But also um, it made me think, I made a note here um, about um, six degrees of separation and how um, people who are connectors tend to be, I think, is there a correlation that they could possibly be the curve bender person? If, if it's a great, great observation, I would submit that the, the art and in some ways the science of connecting people yeah. to each other, that can be highly transactional, right? So I, I need a mechanic. Who do you know? Well, let me introduce you to a mechanic. Yeah. Well, that mechanic may or may not be relevant to me in three, five, 10 years from now, right? right. Conversely, if they're more intentional, if they're more strategic and or they introduce us to somebody who really either helps us solve a really complex challenge or struggle or something that has been holding us back, or I don't believe everybody's damaged. Let's say they create a new environment, a new opportunity for us. Uh, that's when that connector really becomes a curve bender or certainly part of that relationship ecosystem that opens doors to potential curve right, benders, right? right? So, so a lot of entrepreneurs experience this where hmm. they may work with an attorney or an accountant, 
who's not a curve vendor themselves, but they may introduce them to an investor who mm -hmm. invests in that one business, which then they sell. Most investors bet on jockeys, not the horse. So they'll go invest with that entrepreneur again. They'll yeah. sell again. And what happens is now this person, this investor becomes a curve vendor, but they came to that accountant. They came to that attorney, if you will. That's so funny you use that analogy because I'd never heard it before. And I was doing some LinkedIn training with a client and he's an investment banker and he used that betting on the jockey, not the horse. I know. And I went, oh, okay. Yeah. So interesting. Okay. Um, so is being a curve bender something you can teach? Can you teach people to be that? I think you can teach the key attributes of what I found and our research found to be the common thread between curve vendors. So let me, let me explain. Yeah. I interviewed over a hundred executives for this book. And one of the questions I asked is, can you think of some common traits between those who've made a profound impact in your life? And Janice, several attributes came out that I don't think any of them will be a surprise to you. What's fascinating is when you put these attributes together. Right. So number one, they authentically care. They genuinely care, and they don't just say it. They demonstrate right. a vested interest in you. They, they, they want that front row seat to your success. Number two, they see the best version of us. As I said, even when we don't see it ourselves, they see the ingredients, they see the right recipe to put together that amazing meal, right? And we can't even see it. Like, why would I do that? Or I don't want to go do that. As a matter of fact, our research shows that we actually fight potential curve benders. Like Janice can't be right about that. Or Steve is like way off. And then we have one of those V8 moments like, oh my gosh, I would have to be dumb as dirt not to listen to Janice or follow. And we kind of come back to, to them. But they genuinely authentically care. They demonstrate a vested interest in our success. They see the best version of us. And as you, and I wrote about this in a book, as you articulate your journey from now to next, right? Here's, here's where I'm going. Here's what I'm trying to do. And they give you advice. They give you their, they share their wisdom. They need to see you execute and make progress towards that vision, towards that mission, towards that passion, towards that journey. As you do that, if you can build a connection cadence with them and come back and update them on your progress, then they tend to give more. They see that you get it. You're, you have a, a certain resolute about you and resolve about you to go pursue it, to go. It's not just a pipe dream. You're willing to do the incredibly difficult work necessary to become world-class, to reach those aspirations. And then that's when they give more of themselves, they give more of their knowledge, experience, and relationships. So can you teach curve bending? I haven't seen that yet. Can you teach some of the attributes I just described? I believe so. I think the right people, certainly in this pandemic, has accelerated some of these uh, uh, attributes, the right people realize not to confuse vibration with forward motion. This isn't about sheer quantity of how many contacts you and I have. It's unequivocally about the quality of those relationships. Mm -hmm. This is not about waiting 
for some day. I'll, I'll do that when I'm successful. I'll do that when I'm retired. No, you can take people under your wings now. And my wife and I do uh, 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 young couples coaching at our church. And we have mm-hmm. brought in, uh, you know, interns from Hong Kong Baptist University to work with me for years. Mm-hmm. And, and what that takes is a genuine um, belief that you have something to give. Mm-hmm. And if you pour that into someone worthy of that advice, love, mm-hmm. attention, wisdom, they might just surprise the heck out of you in what they do with, with those ingredients. So um, in your, you teach at the university, you teach MBA students or do you teach in the undergrad? Sure. So it's the Gozueta Business School. Roberto Gozueta was the Coca-Cola executive, which the business school at Emory University is named mm-hmm. after. Okay. And I teach a, a strategy visualization, which is over my shoulder, the strategy mm-hmm. visualization course in the executive education program. And I'm now talking to both the MBA and the executive MBA programs about teaching more permanently there. Nice. So are you then teaching more, um, you're teaching um, more mature students? At the moment, yeah. These are, so, so this idea of strategy visualization came out of, uh, you and I both seeing people that measured the value of their ideas by the weight of their PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Right. And, and uh, you, you know, I have 178 slides I want to take you through in the next 30 minutes. Woohoo, says nobody ever. So, so we teach these leaders okay. how to visually tell that story on one page. Nice. And as such, it, it really is uh, typically business unit leaders. It's typically P&L executives. It's C-suite and right below where they have complex strategies or they're running complex businesses that we help them understand how to clarify, how to simplify and visually articulate. So you need a little bit more, yeah, a little more business seasoning under your belt to tackle this kind of stuff. So two things came to mind when you explained that. One is that what my original question was going to be about that, and I'll I'll come back to that. The second is that, um, what was I going to say? Um, ah, My mind's gone, so I'll go back to the first one, and I'll come back around. So when I was asking about the type of people that you teach at the university, I was curious because I wondered if today's young executives and young up and coming executives, if it's harder because of the, you know, the generations, the different generations that we say, is it harder for them to get this or is, has it, does it happen just naturally? Because as you said, we teach, you know, it sort of goes through generations. Sure. sure. So what I do through school is also I'm a, I get involved with the alumni program and I'm a mentor and a coach. And, 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 uh, and so I, I do interact with not just through the, the Emory University, but also uh, we do this learning sprint, if you will, for the next generation of leaders, our client company. So I, I interact okay. with a lot of 20 and 30 year yes. old. Um, so I just wondered if there was a, sure. uh, yeah. so if you think about it a second and for your audience, regrettably, this idea of relationships and strategic relationships and co-creators and curve vendors, unfortunately that's not taught in our schools. 
right? It's not taught in our high schools. It's not taught in our undergrad. It certainly is not even taught in our MBA and even some of our executive MBA program. So I've always been fascinated. And by the way, it's not also part of anybody's new hire training. It's seldom part of anybody's management training. Maybe it's an afternoon of a week-long leadership program, right? Maybe. So I've always been curious of how are we supposed to pick up relationship development best practices? Yes. And, and what I've observed is it's actually through modeling. We, we tend to see that boss, that manager, that peer that we admire do certain things and subconsciously that imprints in our brain, ooh, I like the way he or she did that. I want to do that. I want to become more like them. So we're modeling that behavior. Similarly, we see and we interact with jerks all the time and, and people that, that rub us the wrong way and people that do short-sighted things and all those, and, and you would chuckle at this, in, in the book, I call those people fender benders because <laughs> they're not curve benders. They're a pain in our rears and we don't want to deal with them and they take us off track. And, and we also see the behaviors in them that we don't care for. And we make a mental note of when I'm a manager, when I'm a leader, when I'm in that position, um, I don't want to be anything like that person. So that's, that's, that's one way we learn. But again, I can watch Tiger Woods all day long. Doesn't mean I'm going to become a scratch golfer, right? What you need is combination of the education, mm. the modeling, the mentoring, the coaching, the practice, candidly, some of the bad choices that then build our experience, they become learning moments and build our experiences from which we learn and grow through. So the reason I wanna go back and teach, again, undergrads haven't just been around long enough to learn and really appreciate this. So my goal, my aspiration is to start with the MBAs and executive MBAs, and then let's see if we can work our way, make it, make it a little more definitive for those 19 and 20 year olds who desperately need to understand that beyond their educational foundation, beyond their professional pedigree, their portfolio of relationships often become their only sustainable differentiator. Mm -hmm. It will set them apart. It will pave the way for greater success. And it's just going to take them a little while to learn and embrace that idea. So when you um, came from, you know, the foreign country and fought your way to, to learn and whatever, did you ever... Because my I, this always stays in my head, and my father used to always say we emigrated from England when I was little, but language wasn't the issue. It was just my father trying to build his career up again, and my dad used to always say it's not what you know, it's who you know. Sure, but it's also who they know, hmm. right? And but when he said it, it I don't know, it had a bit of an edge to it in my mind. So you kind of it, I believe it. But I think you have to nurture and you have to, right? You have to um, appreciate those relationships and not take them for granted. Unequivocally, yes. So, so I'm often asked, is this, is this, this idea of, of impactful, value-based relationship development? Is this nature? Were you born this way? Or is this nurture? Is this something you were learned and taught? And, and, and I would say absolutely it's a hybrid of the two. And, and let me explain. In the Middle East, certainly in, in South America, in Asia, Janice, your relationships, your genealogy 
matters a lot more than any product or service or, or line of business or project or initiative, any of that. And this is a bad example, but bin Laden, bin, the, the literal translation of bin means son of mm-hmm. in Arabic. So, so who your father was and who your grandfather was does more in other parts of the world to open doors and create opportunities than your own competency or capability or, or the value of your products or services. Mm-hmm. So I distinctly remember one of the first trips I took to Dubai. I interviewed a, uh, a retired uh, military brass, um, a guy named Mac McClellan, and who's now helping a lot of the companies and, and the Emirates, the seven Emirates in, in United Arab Emirates and Jordan and a lot of the Middle Eastern countries established their military and and a lot of companies to succeed when they go there. And I said, Mac, what, what's the biggest mistake, predominantly American, but let's just say Western companies make when they come here? Mm-hmm. And his comment was they believe they can just parachute in. Yeah. And what they don't realize is it takes time and effort and investments to build and nurture those relationships. So it's it's absolutely nature if you're born in other parts of the world where you're taught at a very young age that relationships are critical. It is also a big part of it is nurture where you're taught. Mm -hmm. Uh, For example, our research shows that if your parents were entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. you, you, you learn that relationships were critical because mom or dad build their business and build their, their lifestyle through relationships. If you're either one of your parents were in sales, or marketing, or investor relations, or PR and media, any of those, you saw them go out and play golf with others. You saw them go to dinners. You understood at a very young age that that was nature of how we did things. Mm -hmm. Conversely, and I'm not trying to put anybody at disadvantage, but if you grew up in accounting, or you grew up in a very tech engineering, or aspects of law, you didn't see a lot of clients come to your home as as a child. You didn't Go to the, you know, a lot of times, and I'm, and I'm painting with a very broad brush. No, but yeah. the, the profession tends to leave an imprint on the children of relationship development is part of what you do. Mm-hmm. And that's where the nature versus the nurture and then the development of it in your adolescent years and in jobs and subsequent events really shape your skills, yeah. your knowledge, and your behaviors in building and nurturing successful, impactful, value-based business relationships. That's so good. I think what I was gonna say earlier, and you kind of answered it, was about curiosity, because I'm a really curious person. And I always wonder, is that uh, something that's innate or is that taught? So it's the same thing, really. It's like, yeah. And absolutely, as a matter of fact, curiosity, I I call these relationship on-ramps. It's a fantastic on-ramp because most curious people you and I know seldom take a response that it's face value, right? I'm an engineer. A lot of people say, okay, great, thanks. See ya. Curious people are like, what kind of engineer? What kind of projects are you working on? And what has been fascinating about what you do? And they're genuinely curious. So it creates an on-ramp to a deeper, richer, more meaningful set of questions, conversations, which then tend to lead to really interesting relationships. Yes. And I fight that whole thing with um, 
and well, I don't think it's because of extrovert versus introvert, but it's something that, that some people, they just don't, it's not like in their DNA. They don't even want to ask you anything. They're not curious about anything. And I'm like, wow, you know, what kind of a, a, um, a relationship can we have if it's all one-sided, you know? So those aren't my people. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and again, they, they, uh, what I've learned is, uh, as you said, it's less about extroverts and introverts. They, they tend to build relationships very differently, which by the way, comes back interestingly enough, full circle to your generational question. You know, I'm dating myself. I, I, I've been at this for a while and I still like a handshake and looking somebody in the eye and meeting him in person. And, and you know, the 22 year old who works for me, most of his relationships are through the social media channels and We're through down people, phone, you know, people have met. And, and by the way, again, not right or wrong, just very different, right? Yes. You and I have a challenge. We're going to call a friend and ask them for help. These people, you know, they, they text, they, you know, I need somebody that can show me a macro. And within 30 seconds, here comes a whole bunch of different people that'll send you a five minute video or they'll send you a, <laughs> yes. of how to do that. And so, they learn differently. They engage differently. They get value from those relationships differently. Not right or wrong, just different, which I believe both generations could actually learn and benefit from. Right. Well, that's another whole conversation about why do I have to sort of switch to what the young people want? Why is there none of that in reverse? I don't find it that way very often. Yeah, and, and, I, and I, I work with clients on a couple of ideas. One we call reverse mentoring, which is what can this, the, those that are of us that are in the fall, maybe if not a winner of our careers, yeah. learn from those that are in the spring of their careers about technology, about digital interactions. Mm -hmm. And conversely, there's a reason I'm involved with Emory's mentor program. There's a reason my wife and I are involved with young couples at our church. I, we believe, and I, and I remind you, you, Janice, you would love this. I remind my kids that age is a terrible price to pay for wisdom. <laughs> yes. And that I didn't paint on the gray hair or the wrinkles, right? So there's value in where we've been and what we've done over the years that might actually be beneficial to them and help them avoid some of these potential pitfalls they're headed for. Okay. So I know that you, uh, and I, I'm probably going a little bit over, but this is such fascinating information. Um, you liken your three books that um, uh, the Star Wars tr trilogy, the first one, um, well, I'm going to let you tell it, but you basically see the three um, yeah. uh, levels of where they're going. And, and yeah. I think the newest one is, is kind of the, where we're going. So That's go funny. ahead. Tell yeah, me. No, very, very, very kind of you to ask. Uh, so this is year 19 of my practice. Curvebender is actually book number 11. I realize and, that. Yeah. And I, and I talk about uh, the Star Wars trilogy. You, 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 any of them will stand alone. Yeah. You're just going to learn a lot more about Luke Skywalker if you watch episode four, five, and six. <laughs> so my first book was called Relationship Economics. Yeah. And in it, I talked about how to turn everyday contacts into value-based relationships. By the way, I love that name because it's such an oxymoron. Right? right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the most recent book, number 10, was called Co-Create. And it was when two or more strategic relationships come together and co-create a new product, a new service, a new business model, and really demonstrate a vested interest in its long-term success. So now we've taken contacts, we've built relationships, those relationships become strategic, those strategic become co-creators, yes. 
as I mentioned earlier, Curvebenders, this most recent book, is really taking those strategic relationships and creating a long-term horizontal kind of longitudinal kind of impact where was the set? We remember them 10, 20, 30 plus years later, and they really shape us in the future of work. So relationship economics co-create curve benders really become complementary in their description of the evolution of relationships from contacts to people that, that profoundly shape our lives. Awesome. That's really awesome. So one last thing I want to ask you is, is really, what do you see as the future of work? Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating question that I've spent the last four years really studying. Number one, and let me give you and your audience three data points to just kind of think about. This pandemic, this global pandemic, was just one example of, Janice, 15 forces we've researched and we've identified that are going to continue to disrupt not just the way we work, but also the way we live, the way we play, the way we give to others. Mm-hmm. So... You, you gotta, and if none of us have a crystal ball and none of us can predict, the only thing we can do is plan. So plan for more disruption. And again, just something for your audience to think about. Imagine if we didn't have internet access the last 15 months. Mm-hmm. I think we'd be in a deeper hole than we already are. Yes. Yet cybersecurity is the number one concern of most executives that I speak with. God forbid, the next one could be a natural disaster. But the more you can prepare, the less of that potential impact of those disruptions, number one. Number two, I am bullish on the trends that this pandemic have accelerated. I'm bearish on trends that is trying to change. And one of the trends that it accelerated was this hybrid work model. Mm-hmm. A lot of individuals have been working from home for years. And we've proven the last 15 months with this grand experiment of sending 100 million people to work from home that it actually can work. And as a matter of fact, early research is showing something like 40% increased productivity. So if any leader who's listening believes that we're all going to go back to an office tomorrow, yeah. it, it's, it's, a, it's a pipe dream. I, I think hybrid work is here to stay, mm-hmm. which actually could be incredibly advantageous to you finding exceptional talent and exceptional people to work with. It's just not going to look like what we did pre-pandemic. Right. And, the, and the third one is, is really what I see a lot of leaders struggle with, which is how to remain relevant. Mm-hmm. And if you are to remain relevant, the only option, I believe, is to continue to learn and grow and learn in in the book what I discuss as nonlinear growth, which is these micro learnings that you daisy chain together and they create a much faster learning and application of that learning to keep you relevant. So, and and in that process, your relationships are going to be the biggest asset in helping you do that, stay relevant. Um, Full disclosure, I'm 53 I was really curious about what my next 10 years of work are going to look like. And I'm excited that, that through that personal reinvention, through some of those relationships, I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly trying new things. And I'm looking for ways to augment my work with AI, with machine learning, mm-hmm. not get replaced by it. Fascinating, fascinating subject. And I thank you so much for being a guest on my show. You, you bring more you create more questions and more curiosity in my mind. So I hope my audience feels the same way and will go out and 
find your books and um, start conversations and build relationships from that. Uh, I will put in the show notes, but basically people can find you and uh, uh, through the NOR group. Is that correct? The best and, place to be, yeah, your audience yeah. is NOR group. N-O-U-R group.com is our website. And, and I would just encourage you and your audience, if they go to norgroup.com slash forum, this is our private online community. I'm there every day. I'd welcome you and your listeners to come join us and continue the conversation. I love it. Thank you so much, David. My and uh, I appreciate your time. I'm glad we were, made, we were able to make it happen today. And thank you to my audience. I do want to hear from you. This was a special episode with a very special man, I think, uh, with some really um, close to my heart types of uh, conversations. And he's done the research and has got the numbers around relationships. So thank you, David Noor. Please remember to my audience to stay connected and be remembered. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes. And remember to stay connected and be remembered.